This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here today with Brittany. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it's so awesome. So why don't you tell us about your story? Like back us up to the beginning. Where did sort of everything start for you? All right. Um, So I've been thinking about how to go about this. Um, I've been wanting to, you know, share some background, I guess, um, just because my background has a lot of context to kind of what was the catalyst into my drinking. Um, So I grew up Mormon, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so alcohol wasn't a big part of my life at all growing up, never had, um, parents that drank, you know, if my friend's parents did, I didn't know about it. Um, so it was very much a world I was not familiar with. Um, so, and I was also just kind of like that straight A student, you know, never wanted to disappoint my parents. I never felt the need to experiment with anything, um, drugs, alcohol, or anything, because that's the way Mormons kind of live their life. It's they call it their word of wisdom, um, which in full circle feels a little um, interesting to think about. But um, I also, you know, just wanted to be that good, good, good daughter, didn't want to disappoint. And um, I had a sister that experimented with alcohol in high school. She kind of sowed her wild oats um, younger. um, She got in big trouble for it. So I knew like there was this big umbrella of you're going to get in really big trouble if you mess around with stuff. Um, that what, said, what does big trouble mean? Is it like grounded or privileged? Like, what did that mean? Yeah, yeah, grounded. Like, she got grounded for a month and it was over spring break. And so, like, I'm not going that direction because I like my freedom, right? Um, and I didn't want to be, you know, the disappointment to my parents, kind of share the middle middle child thing with that sister. And like, with three, the, or four like, of us. With the grounding, and just out of curiosity, I'm just curious because I think it does shape sort of yeah. how we view and think about things, but was there a yeah. lot of kind of like, yeah, I'm really disappointed, you really ashamed, like, you know, brought down? Yeah, there was a lot. Or... Yeah, you know, I mean, not only from my parents, but from the church as well. Um, there would be a lot of shame and guilt um, if you were to sin per se um, by participating in things that the church taught against. Um, so definitely a lot of shame and guilt for anything like that. Even, you know, you didn't have sex before marriage. So, you know, if you even messed around in that sense, you know, you would feel guilty. Um, and a lot of shame was surrounded around that. And, you know, my dad was a bishop for our congregation too. So you know, I had that pressure on me to be the good kid. So, so I, um, I took that role very seriously, um, for for my parents sake and for my own I guess it was probably a good thing um I also worked on weekends when I was 16 so I just really just had no um no real opportunity to go party with friends um I was kind of a shy kid so I didn't really um hang out with that group of people anyway but um so after after I graduated high school never had experimented with anything like that um I went to college and in the first week I met my now husband (laughs) so we met really young um he was 23 at the time I was 18 um married by 19 um kind of culturally um what people do in Mormonism it's like you 
go to college or you get educated, you get married, you have a family. So I was like, I'm checking all my boxes, you know, doing all my things that I've been taught I'm supposed to do. Um, so as my husband and I kind of settled into marriage, we moved to California. Um, we had a ready-made community within our church there, um, which, you know, gave you that solid base of acceptance and love and open arms wherever we went. Um, and then my husband decided to change jobs and we ended up moving to Boston. So far from family, far from everybody, except we had our church. So we, you know, had that as a nice base for uh, fr ready-made friends. And we traveled with friends who were Mormon, didn't drink in Mexico, you know, like went on vacations, did all sorts of traveling um, in our younger days before kids. Um, and so did that mean... Did you have a lot of really then fond memories, I'm assuming, of fun yeah. without Yes, yes. And that's kind of important for me to remember. Um, or it's been important for me to remember on my journey. Um, so yeah, we went to Mexico three times with friends. We went to Chile where my husband had served a mission for the church um, with his family. Um, so we never really, you know, participated in, you know, the drinking culture of vacationing, I guess. Um, so we just, you know, explored and had fun, went to the beach, went snorkeling, like just had a really good time. So I knew it was possible in the back of my mind, it was there. Um, but then, so when my husband and I lived in Boston, our, you know, introduction to, you know, more variety of friends with, you know, that drink or whatever, um, it was there, but, you know, I just didn't make note of it. It was like, okay, my friends drink. I don't, you know, I don't participate that in that um, sort of thing. So the most I had um, exposure to was in my nursing school program um, was the mental health rotation where I was at McLean Hospital in their inpatient outpatient addiction recovery um, as a student nurse, you know, interviewing these people and hearing about like their life stories and their, you know, pain and, um, their their issues with addiction but I didn't really understand it I didn't really understand the complexity of which was going on behind these human lives um so kind of fast forward a little bit my husband went to business school after I graduated um and you know we hung out with lots of people who drank then but we just never participated but we were still social like you know I learned how to be social without you know participating in that part of it um, I mean, being the shy person that I am, it, it, it was hard for me to put myself out there, but I did learn how to socialize without um, needing some lubricant of sorts to do that. Um, and then, so my husband, we had our first baby while he was in business school. And, um, you know, I had just been working as a nurse um, for a little while. And um, we had made a decision after then my daughter was born um that we were considering moving back west closer to home um right before this happened my husband dropped this huge bombshell on me of a revelation that he um, had a lot of doubts about our faith um about the church um and i i think my life just kind of completely shattered at that point because it's like well then what does that mean for us you know what does that you know mean going forward for our relationship because it was so centered around um, our church and our belief system and all of that, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, absolutely. This, 
So, and you did yeah. not have share these doubts at the time. Um, I I had sort of entertained a few doubts here and there, but you're never taught to really take them to the next level of like, okay, I doubt this now. Why, you know, why do I doubt this? Like to really research and explore. And my husband had been doing this kind of like on the side, and I was just so wrapped up in the kids, like I didn't know what was going on with him in that regard because. I was totally absorbed in being a new mom and that sort of thing. So I didn't really understand like where this was coming from, but um, it really rocked my world quite a bit. Um, and at the same time, we decided to move back West and we moved in with my parents who are believing Mormons. And so that was really stressful on our marriage. So did they know that he was doubting then? Um, not when we moved out there, but I was pretty depressed um, at that point because um, I had moved, you know, I hadn't lived at home for 10 years um, at that point. And then um, they noticed, I mean, they, they could tell something was going on. And so they, you know, I was just like, God doesn't, you know, my husband doesn't believe in this anymore. Like, and I don't know what to do about it. Like, I felt really stuck, um, anxious about what the future was going to be for us if he left the church and I stayed um you know then that's its whole journey in itself um but I was very very much in a bad spot at that point in time just because I had tied myself to him being like me and believing like I did and then it was like this huge revelation that we were on totally different pages um in regards to that and what it meant for our family and the afterlife and all that stuff that you believe in as a Mormon so um so I told my parents and, you know, you just say, okay, pray harder, read your scriptures more, you know, try to do away with those doubts because you don't want to entertain those too, too much. Um, but it kind of came to a point where my husband and I hit this rock bottom of, are we going to, is our marriage going to survive this like faith crisis basically? Um, so at that point I felt like I needed to choose between God and my family or the church and my family and I chose my family and so at that point I said okay I'm willing to open my mind to the possibility that I might be wrong that I don't have all the answers about faith and God and all these things um, which was hard I mean it was hard to question everything I had known my whole life and so um, my husband had and this is like the winter of 2012 at this point so um this is like 10 years after we got married I remember crying in the park in my parents driveway on our anniversary on our 10-year anniversary just like totally at a loss of what I was going to do um, moving forward with this new you know separation of belief that we had shared for so long um so my husband like you know, decided like he was pretty much done going to church. And I mean, this was like a lifestyle. This was something we did every Sunday together. You know, we did activities together. We, I was involved in the youth program with the church and everything. And so, so as I started to like question my own beliefs, like, I mean, my world just started to crumble, like even more, my identity kind of flew out the window. Um, not my morals, but my identity definitely, you know, was in question. I didn't know who I was without the church, like, or what that meant going forward. Um, so then you move us into the summer of 2012, and 
my husband was already out. He was done. Like, I was like, you just need to stop going. This isn't healthy for you anymore. You're so anxious every Sunday, like, just be done with it. And so he was done. And I was still in though. (laughs) Like, I was kind of living this double life of like, I'm researching and researching and, um, and, you know, still involved in the youth program, still teaching all this stuff as I'm starting to disbelieve it, um, which was kind of a, that cognitive dissonance actually happens there too. Um, so that summer, my husband was like, well, we don't really believe this anymore. So why would we not try, try alcohol, you know? Um, why would we not, you know, we lived by all these rules for this reason. Those reasons are gone now. So why don't we experiment? And so my husband's a very big social butterfly, total opposite of me. And he, um, and how long ago was this? This was the summer of 2012. So like almost seven years ago. Um, so yeah, he invited a neighbor over. We were like moving into this neighborhood that was just being built. Um, and so we didn't know anybody. So we saw someone walking down the street and we're like, hi, new neighbor. And they were like, hey, come on over for a barbecue. And this person brought a six pack of beer. And it was like, well, we didn't drink it while he was there, but he left it there. And so my first sip of alcohol was an Elysian men's room beer. <laughs> I remember um, the packaging and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, why does anyone ever drink this stuff? It's so gross. Um, and you know, now I know why our body responds to it that way, but um, <laughs> I was like, that's gross. So my husband was like eager to try something else because he loves to experiment with life. Like, you know, I felt like there's this newfound freedom that we had. And so he was like, well, let me go get some red wine. And so I was like, okay. So he goes to the store and he buys two wine glasses because we didn't have any and a bottle of wine and a cork opener because we didn't have that either. Um, and he popped it open. And I was like, whoa, like that's, that's intense. You know, that's a very different flavor than I was used to. Like, like nothing else I'd ever tasted before. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny. And then it was like, eh, I don't know if I like that either. And so he was like, well, let's try something bubbly because we were used to drinking lots of soda. Um, and <laughs> which is so funny. But um, so he went and got like a champagne of sorts and I threw a blueberry mixer in it because I was like, I don't know if I can handle, you know, anything not fruity or sweet. Um, so that was my first taste. And it was kind of like, okay, like, I can see like the feeling and why people would like that. And we were talking around our little fire pit in the backyard and it's like, Oh, like there's openness that started to like occur and we could have conversations and, you know, the guards went down and it was like, Oh, like we can, we've been talking about hard stuff, but it kind of loosened us up to talk about even more difficult stuff. And this is all during this space transition um, that was occurring um, as well. So So moving forward, um, I had gotten pregnant that fall with our third child. Um, And so I stopped drinking, obviously, you know, for pregnancy reasons. But I did turn 30 that year or in early of 2013. And some friends flew out from Boston, my nursing school friends that I knew had drank when I was there, but I never participated with them. Um, And (laughs) they came out and 
I was like, well, darn it. It's my 30th birthday. I'm going to have some wine. I don't care if I'm pregnant. I'm just going to have some wine. Right. Um, and my parents had been over earlier that evening, but they were there. And it's just so funny because it, it's kind of like we were sneaking around like teenagers or something. I didn't want my parents to know that I was drinking at all. Um, and much less I was pregnant. <laughs> so, um, my dad had forgotten something at our house and he showed up when we had the wine out and we're like shoving it under the sink, you know, like hide it from my dad. You know, my friends are like, what are we like 14 again? I was like, well, I am basically, you know, because now I'm 30, but I'm living, you know, these, these days I should have lived long ago, <laughs> but um, it was just kind of funny and uh, comical at the time. But, um, you know, and they were kind of shocked to see me in that, as well just like more open to drinking and participating in that um because they had no idea what was going on until they came out to visit but um so so yeah so then I you know I'm still going through this like phase transition and in that after I turned 30 right before I had my third child I was like I I'm done with the church. Like I need to separate myself from it. It's causing lots of internal anxiety. I had um, kind of opened up to some of my church friends and leaders about it. Um, and I felt rejected um, from that community, which was really difficult. Um, <laughs> and I get emotional about it because it still sometimes hurts to know that mm. you're not a part of something anymore. That was such a huge part of your life for so long. Um, so yeah, so I decided to write a letter to my family and close friends and say, you know, I'm, I'm done with the church for now. This is what I believe. And this is what I don't believe anymore. And this is what I'm going to, you know, I'm either going to take a six month break or indefinitely, I'm going to be done with the church for now. And that was really hard. I felt like a disappointment to my family, um, to my parents, especially, um, but at the same time, it was, you know, what I needed to do for myself because I knew I just didn't, like I had spent a good, almost solid two years really investigating my own belief system mm -hmm. um, regarding that. So, and there was a lot of pain and emotional um, discomfort that came with that um, for sure. And especially the rejection from the community um, for various reasons. Um, so that was kind of, so after I had my third child, you know, my husband, you know, he was drinking at the same time, obviously, and he's more of a zero to 60 kind of person. Um, so he really delved into, you know, the social aspect of drinking. And um, like I said, we were in this new neighborhood and a lot of our neighbors that moved in were in the Navy. And so there's a big drinking culture that comes with that. And they were more than happy to help us relive our college years that we never had um <laughs> which was you know I look back and I'm just like oh my gosh I can't believe that actually happened but um you know there were there were definitely some times where I mean it just became this like cycle of you know well first I like weaned my third child from breastfeeding early because I felt like I was missing out felt like I was missing out on all this fun that was happening around me that involved drinking and stuff like that. And so I, and I'm still trying to figure out who the heck I am after all this faith crisis stuff and what our relationship is after all of this stuff. 
Um, so our neighbors, I mean, we, we got to know them really well. We live in a very tight neighborhood, um, lots of little kids, lots of parents with very young kids, um, total mommy wine culture slash um, drinking because, well, we can't really go anywhere. If we go anywhere, we're going to have to get a babysitter and we don't really want to have to do that. So we're just going to drink on the weekends, all weekend, get the baby monitor. We're heading to the neighbors. Like the kids are asleep. It was, it was a little ridiculous. Um, and I had always, I've always been a little cautious about, you know, stepping into new things. And I was cautious about alcohol. My husband's side of the family has a history of alcoholism. And then I shared these boundaries and like concerns from the very beginning. And I was like, you know, toss those out the window. Like, you know, we're just trying to, you know, survive here post church, post, you know, three kids move house, like all this stuff is just like, it was a way to escape um, on the weekends and feel like we had been, you know, accepted into this new community, I guess. I mean, we didn't really have that anymore. So our, our neighbors kind of became that replacement community for us. Yeah. Um, so lots of drinking on the weekends, um, mimosas in the morning, <laughs> um, that sort of thing. And um, hangovers and always feeling like crap, not getting a whole lot done on the weekend. Um, you know, and there were probably, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, but also at the same time, a lot of anxiety built up about my husband's drinking as well. Um, Cause I was like, what are we doing? Like, I want to do this, but I don't like, I felt divided um, fairly often. Um, and so, yeah, the years just kind of blurred by, um, my husband traveled a lot for work, so he'd leave for, like, most of the week, he'd come home, we'd party all the weekend, you know, then do it again over and over and over, and especially in the summers, um, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was quite a, quite a period of time, so, um, so, yeah, so, a lot of anxiety about my husband's drinking because he worked um, down by all the bars um, and he'd be done with work and go down and start drinking. And I was at home with the kids. I started feeling trapped. Um, like I couldn't go anywhere and I wanted the freedom he had to go and do whatever I want, you know, go drink or whatever, um, socialize like he was. Um, and um, I kind of got to this point where I was like, I need, I need some freedom. I felt a little suffocated by motherhood mm -hmm. at that point, um, which, you know, it's, I hate to say it, it's like, you don't want to wish those little years away, but I was just like, I need, I need an outlet um, for myself. Um, so I went back to work and got like my dream job of being a labor and delivery nurse. And at that point for my own drinking, I work nights. And so if, you know, drinking really messes you up <laughs> with sleep and all of that. Um, so does working night shift. So I kind of toned it back, didn't drink quite as much, tried to slow it down um, because I just couldn't, I was getting sick a lot and I know alcohol does nothing for your immune system um, and uh, neither does sleep deprivation. So I definitely try to tone it back, but I also felt the pull of the social aspect of my neighborhood and like drinking with my neighbors. And I didn't at that point go into work until 1030 at night. So I was like, well, I can probably have a few before I go to work, which is not the smartest 
thing to do. And I was just like, I, you know, I hate to admit that I probably went to work buzzed a couple times still, um, which is not something I'm proud of, um, which, you know, could get me in big trouble with my license. Um, but, you know, I made some poor decisions and I made some poor decisions with driving our neighbors from downtown back home. I was like, well, I'm the only responsible one here. I didn't have as much as everybody else, but sure, I can drive, you know. Um, you know, so I definitely made some poor decisions on my own part um, regarding drinking. Um, so, yeah, it was, so I felt like this kind of just, continued to happen some of our friends moved away so some of the drinking after um after the summer of 2015 kind of waned a little bit because people started moving out people started going different directions um but my husband was also really unhappy with his job and I thought maybe a lot of his drinking was related to that um you know so I was like you should see a counselor and we had kind of done counseling a little bit individually through our faith transition just because of all the stuff we needed to deal with personally um, with that and so he kind of went back to counseling for that um, but really didn't want to face you know his drinking at that point um, either um, and so I thought maybe a career change he'd always had this dream of buying a business or starting one and I was like maybe now's the time to do it because we can and maybe that'll change things a little bit I thought maybe you know him being happier at work would lessen his drinking still while not addressing my own <laughs> more binge type drinking um so so yeah so he he decided to quit his job took him about a year to find a business to buy and 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 there was a shift like there was a little bit less drinking going on um there were some uh he, there had been some things in the past you know with with his drinking that had been hurtful to me um as far as behaviors go um you know and i was just like maybe something needs to change so let's change a job and so he did and it was probably one of the better best things that we've done um for his career um but the drinking still remained there. Um, you know, he had tried like a 30 day challenge of not drinking at one point didn't really stick. Um, I don't think he even made it 10 days. Um, and I think I tried to do it with him and I'm not sure if I was successful or not, but, um, you know, moderation is a tough game to play. Um, it doesn't usually work out so well as I've heard many, many times. Um, so he changed his job and, um, you know, we, he was also diagnosed with high blood pressure and so I'm like, you gotta like, you know, get your health in order. I want you to be happy and healthy, you know, and, you know, I had started exercising after my third child and like, you need to, you know, get healthy and like, what does healthy mean? Well, we can work out, work out, work out, but we can still drink and drink and drink and it's fine. Right. Um, so, I, you know, but I always in the back of my head knew it wasn't good for my body, but I just never wanted to accept that um, mm -hmm. because the pull of the social side was so strong for me um, and that emotional connection to it, I guess, um, was really strong. And so in 2017, I started um, the hobby of bowling with a friend and there's a lot of alcohol surrounding that. And so a lot of my mm -hmm. drinking just 
ended up being like go bowling, drink a lot, you know, go home. And, um, you know, it's, you know, all while I'm sitting here, like encouraging my husband to stop his drinking, I'm like still binge drinking. I had stopped drinking with my husband frequently, like, because I was like, I need to separate myself from him a little bit on this, but I was happy to go drink with my friends. Um, So it kind of, you know, turned into this, like, I need to moderate. Um, In 2018, my husband, like, I just kind of got fed up to the point where I was just like, I need to, like, give him an ultimatum. Like, I'm kind of done with, like, him, you know, not taking this seriously. Um, So I was like, you need to get help, like, like, serious help Mm -hmm. um, with it, which was a really difficult conversation. And he reached out to a friend that he had met who had been sober for a little while. Um, and she gave us the resources of this naked mind and a few other podcasts and books and stuff to read. And so like, and, and that day, that night that we had like this big blow up fight, and we don't, we don't really fight. I mean, we've been through so much together. Like we hadn't really, you know, fought and I tried to be patient with a lot of the things that had gone on with drinking and stuff like that. Um, but I was like, you know, I need something too. And so I went to an Al-Anon meeting that night, like after our blowout fight. And like many years ago, during our faith transition, we had done a workshop with the Gottman Institute in Seattle that works with relationships and communication and stuff. So I'm like, try to use all these tools, you know, that I have, but I feel like I'm just like alone in this journey, this battle to like get this stuff out of my life because it's clearly not serving us anything. I'm like, everything else in our relationship is really good, except this one thing, um, you know, and I'm like, we used to have a life without it. Like, can we get back to that? You know, even after the church and all of that stuff. Um, so, so yeah, so he, he, you know, started listening to podcasts and, and so I entered, I was like, well, if you're going to listen to these podcasts, I'm going to listen to them too. Cause I want to know what you're hearing from people. Right. So I started listening to your podcast. Um, and you know, I would like binge on podcasts for like a day or two and then I would stop <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm ready to stop drinking. And then I'd be like, but I can't, you know, like I just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then I'd, you know, continue my regular habits of binge drinking on the weekends or, you know, out bowling or whatever. And, um, it's like, you know, then I would be like, oh, okay, I'm going to binge on all these podcasts again and hear all these stories. And I just couldn't buy into the fact that maybe a book might change my life at that point. I'm like, but it had in the past. Um, and so comes, you know, this past January, I was like, I'm going to do dry January, but my birthday is in January. So that's a problem. So I was like, I'm going to not drink except for on my birthday. <laughs> so, um, so by the end of sort of dry January, um, I decided, you know, like, I'm just going to order the, the, the book and try to read it, you know, so I, and at that point, like my husband, you know, drinking had kind of ramped up a little bit again during my reading of the book and I was just you know it it really made a huge difference to me like you know when I challenged my beliefs before I never thought that I could challenge beliefs about alcohol and what it was to me um and I was like gosh I can apply the same same concept um 
to drinking and like why am I drinking why do I believe that it's what I need for being social like like I had done it before without it but I had been conditioned through like and I felt like very vulnerable to being conditioned to it post-church like all of that emotional turmoil and pain and suffering that I was going through with the church made me really susceptible to adopting a new thing a new belief or whatever so I felt like you know I never really challenged it um so so when I read your book it was um it was pretty eye-opening to me like it literally deconstructed everything that I thought alcohol was to me um which you know I kind of opened the book skeptical that it could really do that for me um but it did um and then I also had I think your interview with William Porter was pretty impactful on me as well. And so I ordered his book as well um, and read that. So like after that, I think it was February 23rd, I was out bowling um, with a friend and I had one beer and I was done. I was like, I'm just done. And today's 60 days um, since then. So so it's awesome. And, you know, I'm still listening to podcasts from you and other, other groups and stuff and part of different recovery, you know, resources, but, um, you know, and I've encouraged my husband to read the book and I'm like, but I've also let go of wanting to control his behaviors. Um, it's like, I'm on my own journey and I need to respect his. Um, I hope he sees, you know, that I'm happier without it in my life. And I hope he chooses that for himself too. He may or may not, but um, that's really up to him. So, so it's been, been quite a journey. Um, lots of ups and downs. Um, I've puked over the toilet several times and I swear I'd never do it again. And of course I did it again, you know, and, um, but I definitely noticed a tolerance build up over time. Like I wasn't getting the same effect over time that I had before with it and I was just like maybe I need to start questioning that and you know I went on to the CDC website and I was like how many drinks is too many like what's moderate drinking and when it's saying you know for women it's eight for men it's like 15 in a week and I was like oh dear goodness that's not good <laughs> I'm like I'm definitely meeting criteria for um or ah! um oh that's really loud <laughs> that's all right um, so I was definitely meeting criteria for, you know, for women, for sure, who might have been drinking. So, anyway, <laughs> home phones, I'm probably the only person who has a landline now, but um, got to have it for the kids. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's, that, that's, such a, that's such an interesting story. I feel like it's specifically interesting because you didn't really drink until you were 30. And so I think that in mm-hmm. some ways, like we we're sort of alluded to in the beginning, it has to have kind of good implications that you really can remember that you did all these things. You went on vacations, you enjoyed yourself, yeah. you know, you remember yeah what life was like really before drinking. I think that's great. I was similar. I mean, I didn't um, not ever drink, but I was very, just barely ever until I was like mm-hmm. you know, in my mid twenties. And so I, I have so yeah. many good memories and I feel like that was really helpful for me. Right. Yeah. And, and having that past, you know, like I didn't drink because I was told it was bad and it was, 
you know, the way I needed to live my life. But that was like another entity telling me that that's what I needed to do, you know, and, and I feel like this time around, it's like, no, I'm not drinking because I know what's best for me, like internally. Um, so, you know, and just, I mean, I'm a nurse, like I know, you know, like I think, you know, going into the physiology of like what alcohol does to our bodies was really um, important in me learning about it because um, it's just like, you know, I've been surrounded by, you know, lots of um, nurses and friends and um, that have either passed away due to, you know, early heart attacks in life, um, cancer, Um, those things and I'm just like I don't want to like live my life working and you know raising my family only to retire and be sick you know like that's not what I want for myself and and you know it's like every time I'm taking a drink I'm you know I call like when I look back you know like the binge drinking it's just like chemical physiological whiplash back and forth and it's so hard on your body and it's just like, why, why am I doing that to myself? You know, I never really had asked myself that hard question. Like, why am I doing this? Like, even though I know it's not good for me, like, why would I choose to do that? Um, so, so I think it's taken a lot of like introspection and just a lot of like deep soul searching to, to really, um, kind of try and build a new best life for myself. Um, I had this realization not that long ago that I've never spent any of my emotional fallout from my faith crisis sober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, did I really deal with all the emotional fallout, you know, or was I just drinking it away and numbing myself to actually dealing with the emotions of it and really facing, you know, that internal turmoil of feeling like I disappointed my family and, you know, just all those things that come along with it. Yeah. Which, like I said, it's a whole other story and it's in and of itself, but, um, but yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was quite a journey, but I am grateful like to know that I can have fun, um, without it. I will say it's been a little tough in social situations where it's like, I want to feel like I'm a part of a crowd again. Um, I think I was fearful of feeling rejection. Um, from friends again you know like our family or or friends or you know neighbors and have to explain myself and I'm like why should I have to explain myself to people like I know what's best for me but it's still like there's that pull to like feel like you need to go out and prove yourself to other people that you can be fun and um you know not be a black sheep I guess um amongst the crowd but I guess sometimes we have to embrace that we're just going to be different than the crowd and that's okay. Um, but yeah, and it's really hard. I mean, I live in an area where there's like breweries and, you know, wineries and places, you know, like tons of social things always involve alcohol, school auctions for fundraising, you know, all these things, baby showers I go to, alcohol is all involved in everything I do. And so, um, and that's just been part of like the culture that I adopted for the past seven years. And so kind of like stepping out from that has been interesting <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to, um, 
not feel like an outsider again, but I have to get comfortable with that again. Yeah. And I think that the longer, I mean, just like know that it will take some reps for sure. Like it will take some yeah. time and it will definitely, you'll feel good and it won't be, it won't be like this forever. And I think really specifically with your husband, yeah. you know, my husband didn't change his drinking at all for more than a year after I did. So I think that yeah. just showing up and being happy and like digging deep and finding you. Um, so many right. cool things happen the longer you go, like you get so much back in touch with your intuition and with yourself and decide right. who you really are. And like you get your yeah. in instead of like looking out and um, that will just keep happening, yeah. happening and like you'll be more and more grounded. So just to encourage you, because yeah. I know it can be super scary for sure. But I also yeah. think um, from your story, I think your husband will probably like find his own truth here for sure. Like, I don't, I don't think that, you know, and I love that you're so unattached to that. I think that's just so perfect yeah. in terms of allowing. Yeah. And that's really taken a lot of work on my part. And I think, it, you know, I mean, there's that term codependency <laughs> that gets, you know, thrown out there here and there. And so I've, you know, since reading your book and William Porter's book, um, I've kind of delved into like just being a sponge for learning about how us humans work on a psychological level, how our relationships with other people work, you know, what's healthy, what's not. Um, so yes, I think learning to detach myself from like his journey in that sense, like that's his own personal journey to make, um, has really given me a lot more freedom to just like accept things as they are in the present and just be hopeful that, you know, the future can be right, you know, and that he, you know, will make those decisions for himself. I know he wants to, I mean, he expresses that, you know, desire to stop drinking. Um, it's just sometimes easier said than done. You have to really like want that for yourself, like at a really deep inner level, which is a scary place to go. I mean, it's, it's not the most comfortable place to be. Um, but that's how we grow. So that's, that's so cool. Yeah. So your story is so unique because it has like so many different aspects and stuff. I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually pulling together a bunch of different stories and hopefully yeah. from as diverse of a background as possible to put them into a book. Yeah. So I'd love that's to awesome. read your story because it just has such a yeah. unique. Um, yeah, definitely. That's so cool. I think we have a lot to learn. I mean, and this is just something I've learned over listening to other people's stories is that we have so much to learn from each other. And I think that's, you know, sharing our stories and sharing those experiences, like just teaches us that even though we feel alone in it, we're not alone because a lot of us can relate um, on all sorts of levels with various experiences regarding Absolutely. alcohol or whatever, whatever it is that we're fighting. I feel like there's probably, and I mean, I'm sure you've looked for this, but there's probably a community of people who have had similar church faith crises, you know? Yeah, you know, we got involved in so many Facebook groups um, post-Mormon faith crisis. I mean, there's, there is a huge community, and, and a lot of those people we've met in person um, over time because, you know, you need those, you need that support. You need those people that you can relate to who are sharing a similar story to you um, to help you process. Um, there was a lot of like um, the grief processing, you know, of leaving the church, you know, a lot of anger, 
a lot of, um, you know, shock. I mean, I was in shock for a while, you know, when my husband came out to me that he wasn't a believing um, member anymore. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I realized that, yes, I was going through a grieving process and there were so many other people out there um, going through the same process. Like some people helped me go through mine and then I would in turn then go help others who were, you know, not as far along in the process. So it's definitely applicable, like those tools and that um, perspective in this part of my life right now. So That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. So I'll ask you the question that I always ask kind of at the end, which is like, what would you go back and um, sort of tell Brittany who was, you know, going through kind of her college days and wondering if this was really worth it and what she wanted to do? What would you tell her about what life is, is like now? Um, well, I'd probably give her some advice and just tell her, um, you don't need to keep living for other people. Um, you don't need to keep trying to prove yourself, um, of your value and worth by doing things that really aren't you, you know, um, have confidence that, um, you know, things, things will turn out the way that they need to, as long as you're doing the internal work, um, of trying to discover who you are and, just not let those outside influences, you know, determine your, your, your path. Um, so just take ownership of it, you know, don't, um, don't rely on other people to, to tell you who you need to be. It's, I mean, I think I really relied on other people to validate me along the way saying I was worth it because, or I was worth spending time with because I drank or I was worth spending time with because of X, Y, or Z. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. I would, but I, you know, it's like, I look back and I would definitely say, you know, take that first drink. It's put me on a journey that's made me a better person today. So I don't think I would ever, I don't regret the journey, um, but definitely a different path going forward. That's so. so awesome. I love that. And I love that what you said, it kind of in the middle about like, you had challenged your beliefs before. So why couldn't you challenge them with this? And I feel like that, that skill of challenging beliefs and seeing if they're really true for you and serving you, like it, it applies to everything and it's just going to serve you like in so many ways, you know, whether it's the things you think you know about parenting or the things you think you know about, um, anything. So it's just so so cool. Yeah. And just be open to learning, like, open to learning about any topic that helps you better your life. Um, yeah, it's life is a journey, not a destination. <laughs> like yeah. I used to think it was a destination, you know, it's like, I've got somewhere to go. So this is, you know, what I'm going to do to get there. It's like, no, just like be present in the moment and, you know, understand that, um, you know, the lessons are learned today, you know, and, you can bring those lessons forward with you or you can just let them sit for a while and then apply them later. It's just a sponge for learning. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. It was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. It was such a great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. I really appreciate your work and everything you're doing for this awesome movement. I hope it catches more waves and makes a big difference for more people down the road. That's so awesome. Well, have a great day and thank you so much. Are you looking to connect with like-minded people? Sometimes maybe you feel like 
as someone who knows all this information from the snake in mind or the alcohol experiment that you're living in a world of muggles and people just don't speak your language. That is why I created The Exchange. The Exchange is an online community where we meet face-to-face, live video calls multiple times a week with people from all over the globe just to connect, to have somewhere you're seen and you're heard and you feel less alone and really that you can give back and get the support you need. So if this sounds great to you, check it out at thisnakedmind.com backslash exchange. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.